Thank you, Jim and Vicki, for sharing uh, your gifts with us. See, this is what happens whenever you just uh, uh, you know, offer your gifts up to the Lord. It blesses not only the Lord, but it blesses so many of us. And thank you so much for coming back to, uh, and, and being with us and blessing us and leading us in this time. I do thank you guys uh, for a couple things. Number one, for your prayer during my, when I had the COVID. Uh, and uh, it feels like I, I'm a visitor. I had actually some visitors welcome me today when I came in. <laughs> Yeah, they say, I'm glad to have you. And I went, I'm the pastor. <laughs> you know, uh, and, but uh, it's, yeah, it just seems like forever, you know, since I've been, been here. And, uh, you know, first was the COVID. And I, I tell you, this round was tough. I mean, it, it, it just, I'm still, you can hear a little nasal stuff right now. And uh, uh, had it, you know, when we were up in Alaska, you know, the after effects and all that. But it, did, it didn't stop the fishing one bit. I think it may have helped a little bit. But uh, it was a... It was a, a great time with family, and we're, we're just so thankful for that privilege to be able to do that. And uh, if you are um, come and do some uh, bartering with me, I might give you a slab of uh, uh, salmon filet or something like that. We, we'll do some bartering. Let's see what you got, okay? Uh, because we were blessed to be able to come back with a lot. Uh, and uh, I, I listened to uh, Rick Bisadecki last week. I actually talked to a few folks, and they said, can you please uh, be gone again soon and invite Rick back? And I said, whatever. And uh, anyhow, uh, do want, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's kind of like a perfect storm. I, I, we don't have the information out to you clearly. Uh, Gail Nelson did a, an excellent job of s- summarizing this. We're going to get the email out the first of this week for you to be praying about some church-wide studies for the fall. And there's three different options that we're looking at. There may be something else that God puts on your heart. Uh, we want to know. But I, I, we just really, I just really feel like God is wanting to call us to a place where we're all focused in our groups, starting new groups, <clears throat> and, and our services uh, to this. Um, just church-wide focus uh, as we seek to allow the God to, to do in us what he wants to do in us and do through us what he wants to do through us. Uh, a couple other things you're pretty excited about. Uh, you didn't notice this uh, if you'd have been here during the week, but there's some major work going on in the ch- kitchen renovation, and uh, it is happening right now, and so uh, we're, we're pretty excited about that. Thanks so much to... to Lee Sami uh, for uh, or kind of overseeing that. Sarah, who's cracking the whip and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you're going to be the beneficiary of that, that stuff pretty soon, and so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, during the course of, of this uh, time that we have together, I want you to utilize the Connect card. <clears throat> There's some things that uh, you're going to be able to respond to because, see, uh, uh, being a follower of Jesus Christ is the furthest thing away from being passive. I mean, it is a very active and engaged thing, uh, and uh, it, it comes from our choices, our decisions, uh, and our actions, and so much of it is blessing other people, and there's opportunities on here to show you how to do that. Also, just you uh, responding to the uh, initiative of the Holy Spirit in your life, because he's the one uh, that, uh, that, that does it all. I mean, the, the scripture says, not by might, nor by power, but what? 
by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so my prayer this morning is that, you know, God would just circumvent all of my, my yik-yak and that he would speak to you through his living word and through his Holy Spirit as we come to the, uh, this passage this morning. So we finished the, uh, the study of Colossians, greater than... And uh, now we're just going to spend uh, a few weeks in Luke until we get to that church-wide study uh, lesson from Luke. And some of this stuff is um, some hard sayings uh, and when it comes to the, to, to the message that, that the gospel of Luke has for us. Um, so I'm going to ask if you would turn in your Bibles to the Luke chapter 14. As you do, uh, some of you are pretty excited about this. Others don't give a rip. Uh, but, uh, you know, the NFL training camp uh, has been going on. It's getting ready for the season. Actually, uh, this Thursday, I think, August the 4th, is going to be the first preseason game. So football is back. And so now for all you uh, football junkies, you know, this is good stuff. And, and, and it's coming. But training camp is a time when, when all the players report back to see if they still got what it takes. You know, are, are, are they going to be able to be really to be on the team? And, uh, you know, some of them show back up and, you know, they're fit as a fiddle. Some of them show up and uh, uh, they've been kind of distracted over the offseason and, and uh, they are t- totally out of shape. And so really being a part of the team, they're in jeopardy for that. Uh, so you have to show up and you have to be ready and, and you have to finish well. And we're coming to a passage today there's a very sobering passage. Uh, it's, it's kind of like us coming here today and we're showing up for training camp to see if we really have what it takes to be on God's team. Are we really and truly a follower of Christ? And Jesus gives a very clear depiction of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Am I really a Christian? Do, can, am, am I just kind of living in this wishful thinking, thinking that I'm going through these motions and I, you know, have the hope of heaven? Or do I know that I know that I am a child of the living God and that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, not just a, you know, uh, Americanized, you know, uh, church and, you know, churchized kind of Christian? Am I a true follower of Jesus Christ? So my prayer for you is that you would pray to God right now and say, Holy Spirit, uh, help me not to, to, hydroplane over this help me not to deceive myself but help me to come to face to face with the reality of where I truly am when it comes to this thing because see this is the most critical the most important thing that we could ever anything else that you do you know making money having a house doing all and all of this pales because we're talking about eternity here and we're talking about what it means to to live out the purpose for which God created us, that is to be in relation with God the Father, our Abba Father, that we were just singing about how he is the God of hope, that he gives strength to the weak. He is our comforter. He is the one that sustains us in every aspect of our life. And so we're coming to this passage in Luke chapter 14. Now, earlier on, we're going to start with uh, verse 25, but earlier on in this particular passage, we see Jesus at the house of the Pharisees. So he walks in to the religious crowd. And he's actually having dinner. He's, he's hanging out with the religious crowd. Uh, but all of a sudden, the need presents itself, and Jesus responds to the need. So these religious folks are like, this is kind of uh, awkward because this is happening on the Sabbath, and they don't like that. And so Jesus asks a question. Well, you know, I mean, my goodness. 
You know, if, if, if there's a true need in your family, would you not respond to it even on the Sabbath? Or even if you had an ox, you know, that fell in a well or in a ditch, wouldn't you do something about that? And they said they said nothing. Why? Because, see, they had their own preconceived notion. They had their worldview of God and, and you know, this whole spiritual aspect. And so they had, they had an agenda and they didn't say anything because they didn't like what they had heard about Jesus so far. Because Jesus was hanging out with sinners. Jesus was healing people that didn't deserve it. And so he responds to that. And then he talks about this, you know, uh, you know going to, uh, uh, to a, a, a marriage feast and, 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 and not sitting at the place of honor. But just, you know, going back and let the, let the host bring you up and say, hey, don't be sitting back there in the back. Come on up here. Come on, hang out with us. So he's talking about... You know, this whole idea of selflessness in which he lived out his whole life. It was never about him. It was always about God the Father. It was never about him. Not about me, myself, and I. And we live in a culture that is about me, myself, and I. And it's easy for that to seep in and become a part uh, even of our spirituality. But Jesus says, have nothing to do with that. And then he goes on down to <clears throat> talk about in this great banquet, you know, uh, that... Uh, is being thrown and the people that were invited uh, well they end up coming up with some excuses they were pre they had other stuff going on that seemed to be more important that was distracting them from what mattered most and so it is through this time that God has given us an opportunity to let his word to see if there's anything that's that's distracting us or keeping us you know from truly you know saying well I'm not going to make I'm not on the team I, I'm not on the team. And then we can get on the team by following what Jesus has to say here. Uh, or maybe, maybe we've been on the team and, and we're, we're finding ourselves, you know, our towards is getting off a little bit. And he's saying, uh-uh, it's time, it's, it's time to reorient yourself uh, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just Savior, but the absolute Lord of your life. And so it's here that we come to Jesus saying... And given us, and the, the, the caption on mine uh, begin, before verse 25 says, the cause of being a disciple. So here's what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. He starts with this. He said, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough to, money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. 
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is God's word for us today. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, please, we ask, give us ears to hear. For there is nothing more important than what you are revealing to us today. That we would have a true understanding. That you would pierce our hearts through your spirit, through your living word. And enable us, Lord, to see where we stand with you. We pray, God, for everyone here. For those that are joining us uh, online, Lord, that this would be a day, a defining moment that brings absolute peace and affirmation. Or, Lord, it opens up, Lord, our hearts and eyes to see that what we've experienced has been just just a periphery. It's just a a morsel and, and not the real thing. And that, Lord, that we would just humble ourselves and step in to a relationship with you. Lord, we do again, just pray, give us ears to hear all for your glory and for our benefit, for our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so here it is in uh, this particular passage. I think it invites us to do four things um, and in order to... To, to, to understand where we truly are so that we're not deceiving ourselves. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. You know, it's easy for us to deceive ourselves. It's so often, you know, it's hard for us to be able to, to understand, you know, really what's going on. That's the reason we need an outside source. That's the reason it's so important for us as true believers in Christ to be a part of a community because we all have blind spots. We're all missing it, you know, and it's easy for us to, to see a speck in somebody else's eye and miss the log in our own eye. And it's here that, that, w- that we see this passage inviting us to do four things. Number one is this. When it comes to being a follower of Christ, he's saying, I, number one, I want you to re-examine your motives. I want you to re-examine. Why is it that you follow Christ or call yourself a Christian, go to church or, or pray or read the Bible or do whatever that, you know, re-examine your motives here. And it's in those few verses, 25 through 27, hard sayings. He says that there were large crowds. And if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, uh, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. It's like, whoa. Now, a staggering thing is this. And it's, it's very sobering. Uh, but, and I remember the first time. You know, I heard this, but W.A. Criswell was a pastor of the largest Baptist church in Dallas, Texas. And, and W.A. Criswell uh, said this. He said, I would be surprised to see, see even 25% of my church members in heaven. Whew. But then I remember the first time I heard this was when Billy Graham, I, uh, Billy Graham once estimated the number of church members Uh, that were lost at 85%. We're coming from a spiritual giant, from two spiritual giants here, and it's like, really, how could you say that? We're good people. You take that 85 and and, and 75, and you merge those till you get get 80%. Uh, What is that? What's that called? The 
Pareto principle. What do you pronounce that? Pareto principle? 80-20 rule? You've heard of the 80-20 rule? 80 people, you know, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, the law of the vital few. You know, it's a business organization knows that 20% of their sales force produces 80% of the sales. So you take that and apply that, you know, it's like 20% of those that are going to church are actually truly followers of Jesus Christ. Scary. Scary, sobering. But here we have the privilege right now of calling out to our Abba Father, the God who loves us, created us for a relationship and said, God, if there's any way that I am deceiving myself, let your spirit, your word to bring absolute clarity to me. And he goes, all right, number one, re-examine your motive for following me. See, there were large crowds at this particular time. There, were, there was a lot of benefits. There were these people. Number one, these folks, they, a lot of these crowds, they were following Jesus because they said, we like Jesus. He is the terminator of tradition. He is eating up the Pharisees. He's eating their lunch. I mean, they, don't, they, they can't even, they don't even know what hit them. And, you know, the terminator of tradition, but then he, he staggers this a uh, crowd with a shocking statement. He turns to them and he says, oh, well, here's the deal. You know, if you don't, if you don't hate your father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, just even your own life, you can't be my disciple. What in the world is he saying? He's going, number one, why, why are you following me? I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot of benefits, you know. Again, you know, to historically... You know, it's like there's the people who are followers of Christ have sacrificed and done so much for society and, and, and you know, as far as building hospitals and, and educational systems and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's because it's given their life away. We see that beginning in, in, in the early church. Just blessing those that were persecuting them, blessing those, you know, that were staunchly against them. They were living out the love of Jesus Christ. And, and they, they realized that they were where they were, not because they deserved it, because of the mercy of God. And therefore, they were going to extend that to the people that were around them. I'm blessing you not because you deserve it, but because that's who I am in Christ Jesus. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So he's saying right here, the first thing that you know, we need to do is like, why, why am I following Jesus? Why, why am I following Jesus? Is it because, it's, well, it's good. I mean, I make some good uh, business contacts. You know, uh, people will, if I'm sick, they'll make me a chicken pot pie, you know, or they'll, you know, they'll come by and they'll cut my grass, you know, and it's some good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it. But what he's saying here is this. He said, unless we come to that place to where we are like the apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Have we come to the place to see our wretchedness? When, when he says, you know, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He's talking about the self-life. He's talking, you know, he's talking about if we uh, in, in any way try to preserve self, then, then we die spiritually. Now, the picture there, and, and the legend had it, the picture there when Paul was talking about who shall deliver me from this body of death, uh, he, 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 
the, the story is, is that in, in, the, in the days in Rome, if you committed a, a murder, there was, for some, the punishment was they would actually strap the dead carcass to you, the dead person to you, and you would have to walk around with that until it just ate into you and killed you. That is gross. You're going, don't, why are you talking about like that? Well, I, the, Bible doesn't hide, the Bible doesn't hide stuff. It, it just, it's, it's real. And, and Paul is saying the self-life, you know, there's a way that a man thinks, but in the end it leads to what? Death. It's like we abdicate ourselves saying, God, oh, wretched man that I am. I, I, I've come to the place to see how horrendous sin is. And I'm asking for you to do that for which only you can do. And once you come and you save me, my allegiance is with you. He's saying, first and foremost, re-examine my motive for following Christ. Now, you don't have to start off, listen, we don't have to start off with great motives. Like, you know, I remember my, my professor of evangelism in seminary, he goes, well, let me tell you guys, the reason I got saved is because I didn't want to go to hell. I heard about it and I didn't want to go there. And he goes, you know, I know that's not a great motivation, but he goes, what do you expect out of an unregenerate person? But you you come to see the severity of sin and the price that Jesus Christ paid for our sin, and and you come and then you go, whoo, Jesus, thank you for paying the price that I can never pay. This that put you on, on the cross, thank you for suffering my price. And then we come into getting to know him. That's the reason we pray that we would always get to know him better and love him more. Because he created us for that love relationship. It's okay to start there. God uses many a stick to you know, hit a lick. Wherever. But it's a growing acknowledgement of my full devotion to Jesus Christ. So the why is so important. Re-examine my motive for being there. Ask God, help me to re-examine my motive for being a follower of Jesus Christ. Is it one because this full devotion, my life is in your hands. You are my life. Christ is my life. And then secondly, I think he's saying recount the cost. Think about this. You know, as you're doing this, recount the cost. So we, let's take a minute to, to, to see what the cost is. And, and he goes here. He said, here's the cost. Number one, there is no relationship uh, for a follower of Jesus Christ. No person, no plan, no relationship that has priority over him. You know, parent, spouse, child, sibling. And does God want us to love our parents? Yes, he wants us to honor our parents. Does he want us to, to, to love our spouse? Absolutely. Our children, yes, but he said, nothing above him. Nothing above him. And that's only, again, not by might, nor by my strategizing, but by the Spirit of God transforming my heart and my life to where there is this absolute adoration, this love relationship with him that flows down to all other relationships. Jesus came to give us abundant life, everlasting life. But he says... Don't hold anything so dear that it comes before me. And what I have to say about your life and your priorities in life. Um, 
there's a couple of things in here, you know, sometimes this, you know, people look at this and, and, and that, that word hate, you know, it's misunderstood, you know, it's, but it's saying in comparison to Jesus Christ, there's a strong aversion to every other thing. You know, if there's a parent, you know, that has this persuasion, you know, as far as religious persuasion and, and you're here and all of a sudden there's this awakening to the realization that Jesus loves you, this, you know why the Bible tells you so and all of a sudden you find out that Jesus is Lord and he's inviting you into a relationship with himself but then you go ah oh, yeah but my my parent won't understand that is an awkward deal it, it really is but he's saying go to Jesus first let Jesus take care of that you know I've known people who and again, this is us bargaining and bartering. You know, I've known people who've come to see the light of Jesus and then they go, yeah, well, but I can't make a decision for Christ until my parent dies. Matter of fact, I've met people. Uh, we come to Jesus on his terms, not our terms. And, and we, we, are, we are great bargainers, you know. I mean, I, 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 mean, I do that. I, I, I like to bargain. But when it, come, when it comes to this, when, when Jesus is calling, when it's like, the answer is yes. Not like, hold on. So he's saying recount the cost. And he gives us a couple of examples here um, uh, as far as how to, to count the cost. And, and the, fir you know, the first is just acknowledging him. Uh, and, and, and in this, he goes, in verse 33, jump down there with me, it says, In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything, he cannot be done disciple. So this is, you know, these are the hard saying. This is the, this is the reality. And he's just talking about this self-renunciate. This is not, instead of self-preservation and self-dependence, it's like, okay, Jesus, I'm abdicating absolutely to you. Wherever, we used to sing that song, wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. And that's, that's the idea. That's the mentality. No, no bartering. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Um, it's just to give up, let go, refuse to follow any, uh, any self-think. That's the reason in Proverbs it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. God, please help us flush world think, self-think. You know, from our minds and our lives. So he's going, you know, you, you just got to understand that, that there's, there's a price, and that price is die to self. And one of the reasons that's tough is because it feels like dying. But then there's the resurrection and the glorification. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's just that trust aspect, that faith. Um, what Jesus is saying, a relationship with him is not something that we enter into casually. You know, it's not something that happens, you know, uh, to us because we're a part of the crowd. You know, he turned around to the crowds and he staggered them. I'm pretty sure that there were a lot there that after that, after that saying, they just stopped following. Why? Because, I mean, it was all about, still all about self. And what, what Christ could do for him. And, and, and Christ gives us the example that we lay down our lives. We lay down our rights for him. Tough to do in the world in which, which we live in. So he gives us a couple of examples of, 
as far as the, the price tag of this, in, in these two, uh, the tower and the king, verses 20, uh, 28 through 30, here's what he says. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he first not sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and not able to finish it, everyone will see uh, and ridicule him, saying, this fellow began and was not able to finish it. Probably this tower is for protection, you know, and, and protection is a good thing. It's a good thing to have protection. Uh, but if you, if you try to build that and then you aren't able to finish it, guess what? You still don't have protection. So you're left without protection. Jesus is our protection. Then he goes on and, you know, gives an example of what about a king? You know, if you're going to go to war and you've only got 10,000, they've got 20,000, you know, he's saying, if you're threatened, you know that the freedom, your freedom and the freedom of your people is at stake. But if you don't have what it takes to win, then you go out and here's the key in verse 32. You seek terms of peace. I think in this particular passage, Jesus is, is, is helping us to understand in both of these. We don't have the hip. I remember a guy, I, I wanted some, to buy some land from me. He said, you ain't got the hip. I'm going, what? He said, you ain't got the hip. He's saying, I didn't have enough money, you know, to buy that land from. You know, when it, com- when it comes to, for us to be protected from Satan and his scheme, we don't have the hip. We ain't got what it takes. Only Jesus has that. When it comes to going to war, we don't have the arsenal. And, he, and he's saying, here's the deal. You go out and you seek terms of peace. And Jesus says, I'm it. I, I'm it. You, you come to me and you abdicate to me uh, your life. I am your peace. He's already paid the price. He's already, you know, he's already done what it takes. And he's saying, just come and acknowledge that. Not you try to pray enough, work enough, serve enough, give, uh, give enough shampoo and soap and all that. No, 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 no. You, it, it's not anything that you perform. It's you come into this relationship with me and I will transform your life. And out of that will be the, these uh, blessings and this love. So uh, we're, we're, we're recounting the cost right there. Number three, uh, we reaffirm our allegiance. Verse 27, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And here's, here's what he's saying to me and you. We are not independent kings. You know, um, we don't call the shots. Jesus calls the shots. And, and so when it comes to my life, who's calling the shots? When it comes to my attitude about toward other people, who's calling the shots? When it comes to how I treat my spouse, who's calling the shots? And me? Is the world? How much influence is all this having? Who's calling the shots when it comes to how I handle my money or my view of money? Who's calling the shots? <laughs> is the American mentality calling the shots? Is our love for wealth calling the shots? Or is it our love for Jesus? Who's calling the shots? And he's saying, here's an opportunity for us to come and to reaffirm our allegiance. Jesus, wherever you lead, I'll go. Number four. And this is very interesting. And and this is another instance in which he is bringing up the salt thing. 
And that's just this. He's saying we need, we need to, number one, we need to come to this place of understanding uh, what Christ has called us to. Uh, we need to recount the cost. We need to reaffirm our allegiance, and now we need to remember what our purpose is. Every day, I want you to remember, get up every day and say, you know, good morning, Lord, I'm yours, and I am called to be a follower of yours. Where are you leading? What are you leading me to do today? Not like, what's on my agenda? I'll see if I can, I can work you in. It's just, it's, again, it's just a whole new mentality. It's God think, not world think. Here he says, salt is good, but if it loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown out. I know about manure piles. I stay away from them. And he's saying, you know, if, if it loses, I mean, it's just absolutely no good. And, and you go, what's salt got to do with this? Well, he's saying, well, that's our purpose. As he's called us into a relationship with him, you know, we are to be salt, to add flavor, to preserve, to fertilize. Uh, but, but if we lose that, it's just... So, you know, if it's saying if you're are claiming to be a follower of Christ, if we're claiming to be a follower of Christ and there's absolutely no flavor, no preservative, no fertilizer, it's, it's not happening in the lives of others, we've lost our purpose. He said, how can, how can you make it salty again? How can you do that? Well, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So he comes and he says, all right, I, I want you to know, I love you. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I came that you may be with me wherever I go in heaven. He said, but I, but I want you to understand what it really means to make the team. You, you may think that you're in condition, but let, let me tell you, because I'm, I'm the one that's going to be coaching here, and I'm going to check it out. How? And he lays it out right here. Number one, we come to that place of acknowledging that apart from him we can do nothing. We come to the place where, we can, where he, he goes, hey, Mike, your allegiance is to Mike. Or your allegiance is to this relationship. Matter of fact, you've been holding on to that dearly. And every time through my spirit or my word, I've prompted you to make a choice or to make a move, you kind of, you've stayed there. So I just want you to understand that's the self-life. And that's not, that's not the Jesus life. Jesus' life is laid down. He said, I only do that which pleases the Father. And that's what a follower of Christ is. He comes and is sobering. He's saying, okay, let's just... Let's just kind of clear the deck and let Jesus come and examine our hearts, examine our motives, examine our lives. And for some of us, it'd be like, uh, I've given Jesus kind of like a, a little bit, I, but I, I've never just, I've never offered him all of my life. And you go, well, but I, and I've been going to church and I've been serving and it's kind of be, It'd be kind of humbling to to let people know that well I've been I've been churched but I I've not been saved. But I I see Jesus saying right now He's calling me to come into that saving relationship with Him. The greatest, most liberating, most freeing 
decision that you can make is to follow him in that because Jesus had already said in even the previous uh, verses here, he says, if you humble yourself, you'll be lifted up. But if you don't, being humble and humbling ourselves is a good thing in God's eyes. It might not be in the world's eyes, but that's not who we're living for. This world is passing. We are living in the land of the dying. He's calling us the land of the living. And in the meantime, he's saying, I want you to be salt and light for me. Would you, would you ask the Lord as, as we close the day, I'm going to ask Jim and Vicki to come back up and take a few minutes and just say, Lord, I, just, I want you to give me ears to hear what you have to say to me today. I worship you because you are the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, boy, we come to this passage and, and, and it's unsettling. Uh, and yet, it's liberating. Your word is life. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your tough love, not to, to, to leave us in, in some quandary of, of, of a stupor of, of religion. But you take this moment right now to demonstrate your love for us and saying, I love you this much that I gave my life, I laid down my life to give you my life. On the cross, I paid for your sin. And through the resurrection, I give you my life. But it's an exchange. It's a wondrous exchange. You exchange your body of death for the body of the resurrected life. Father, I do pray today that as we respond to your spirit and to your word that you are glorified by our choices and our decisions. If you're here today, even as you've listened to this, I know that what God wants you to know is this. As hard as this saying it, he loves you. That's the reason you're even in existence. He loves you. He created you for a relationship with himself. But he's saying, I want to be clear about how that relationship is established. It's not by doing good. It's not by going just going to church. It's by laying down your life, just as my son did, and receiving his. That's where abundance comes from. That's where true love comes from. That's where true forgiveness comes from. And if you feel that calling you today, it's just simply a response to say, I confess, confess Jesus is Lord. He is life. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and invite him into your life and make that exchange right now. Lord, I exchange my life for yours. For others, you're here and uh, it's like... The pull of, of, of culture, the pull of our world. And it's, it's so, I mean, God, all of God's creation is so amazing. So, there's so much good out there. But, 
But historically, the good things have robbed us, so often robbed us of the best and the most important. And some of us come here and we've been distracted by money, by relationships, by the, <laughs> the social ladder, whatever the case is. And God's calling us back and he's, he, he's saying, I, <laughs> you want to call for terms of peace? That's why he came, to be your peace, to be your life. Would you right now just reaffirm your allegiance and re-embrace the purpose in which he's called us here to be his salt and his light? God, may we, for your glory and our good, respond to the words you've given us today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.